always been fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, understand uniquely, and see the world in their own way. Now don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often, the story behind the story is what really inspires me, because I want to know where ideas come from, because that's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. Welcome to the Creative Backstory. Years ago, I have to tell you, I spent a very memorable evening in a piano bar in Los Angeles, and I was so smitten by the whole thing because the pianist had never met us. He didn't know us from Adam and Eve, but he but he knew us. Like I, I that's all. You know, he played our personal soundtracks, and he kind of just got us. Um, it got me thinking about Billy Joel, and I think of his experience as a piano bar musician. And I kind of liken that to having a PhD in sociology because it led to so many songs that really hit the essence of, of relationships and what it is to be a human. And I know I'm getting way too philosophical, so we will skip to my guest today. Matt Fetbrand is a musician and a musical director. He travels the world as a piano bar entertainer, and uh, his show is beyond fun. He's based out of Los Angeles, where he can frequently, frequently be seen at Trance Stamp Grannies. This May, he's heading to Germany. He'll spend the hottest month of the year this year in Texas, which is exciting because uh, of air conditioning. <laughs> then he's headed up to Wisconsin and to St. Martin. And this afternoon, he's here with us at Juxtahub in beautiful Emmaus, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Matt. My husband sends his greetings. So that was okay with Billy Joel. I don't know how much you, you know, does everybody Perfect. call you Billy Joel? Does everybody no, no. say? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, Perfect. the compare, my dad actually brings up Billy Joel a lot. You know how Billy Joel got his start really in piano bars. And um, so he, he makes comparisons sometimes, but uh, I mean, to be mentioned in the same sentence as Billy Joel is, is a uh, compliment enough. So, <laughs> well, as we were planning this, I, you know, whenever I have, whenever I've, I call it stupid work where I can do it with half my brain. Yeah. I turn on like the Kennedy center videos, mm. like the Kennedy center honors and, um, Billy Joel's segment came up. And as I was thinking, and I'm just like, Oh, the piano man, you know, like that was it. But there really is something special about what you do. And I think there's, I think there's so much of the creative process that's sort of backwards to what people think it is. They think it's you playing songs, but I think it's you knowing what to play. Does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, I feel like you're spot on with your assessment in that, you know, that when they go to see somebody play and particularly in a situation like a piano bar where um, it's sometimes thought of as the entertainer is this kind of human karaoke machine um, uh, DJ. And uh, I think there's much more to it than that. And uh, there, one of the reasons I was really excited to come on your podcast is because you explore what's behind everything that le led up to that, you know, what, what the person is doing creatively, because it's not just playing songs, you know, it's um, as far as a piano bar entertainer goes, it's, it's, um, uh, reading the room. That's part of that psychology, sociology that you were, you were saying earlier, you know, it, it, it coming to understand people, what people want, um, how to connect with people, how to engage an audience, how to, uh, plan the next songs to keep the party going. If it's an upbeat atmosphere, you know, um, trying to, uh, trying to really kind of bring all of those elements together to create, uh, a really a wonderful vibe and what that vibe may change depending on the type of piano bar that you're at depending on you know the location the situation so i just try to um i try to create that vibe so i i appreciate you bringing me on to kind of um explore what's behind all of that oh my gosh because it's i don't i don't think people the only way you get it you know and and I have, I'm just going to, I hate telling people that I sing in a band because I don't want to compare myself to what you do because it's not the same, you know? And, but the only way I know that I ever read a room well is because I haven't in the past. I don't know if you have any, like, tell me a little bit about you kind of coming into your own as a piano bar musician 
And maybe we should explain, maybe we should start for people who haven't had this experience. I'll, I'll say mine and then you say yours. And then, you know, you walk in, you tell him what you want to hear and he plays it. And if he doesn't know it, like I came, I met Matt, my husband and I were in St. Martin and we walked in cause our friend brought us there and uh, holy cow, it took me like five minutes to kind of really notice what you were doing. And then, and then it was just fun to watch you. And then I started sending you notes, not necessarily to challenge you, but I just want, I sort of wanted to entertain you too. So like it was so interactive. <laughs> so I think at one point I sent you a note saying, just play us the first thing you ever learned, you know, and I, it was just fun, you know, and you did it. And not only did you play Beethoven, but you played it with like the drum machine, you know, so fun. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. I, I, I do remember. And, and, <laughs> you know, having, having that kind of request is really a breath of fresh air for a piano bar entertainer because, you know, it's true. We do, we do play a lot of the same songs night after night after night, you know, and, um, top five. Uh, I, what's that? Top five songs you play night after night after night. Go. Oh, well, <laughs> Piano Man, <laughs> Piano Man, uh, anything Elton John, <laughs> uh, Sweet Caroline, uh, Don't Stop Believing," and um, oh man, Happy Birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, th so there's got to be a spin on all of those. But I appreciated you uh, requesting the Fur Elise because I, uh, I think I, and I don't know if you remember this, but I think I mentioned something to the effect of how much... Uh, kind of, I had to disdain for that song um, because, <laughs> because it it was drummed into me. It was it was kind of like beaten into me by my first um, my first piano teacher, and um, and I didn't take piano lessons for long, only like a year and a half. And but it was one of the songs that I was uh, focusing on, and I was like, how can I how can I make this fresh in any sort of way? How can I learn? to love this song again in that moment. That's what I thought. I was like, how can I learn to love this song again? How can I make it something that's unique? And really in that moment, I'm very honestly telling you, Kelly, like I was taking a real chance because I didn't know how it was going to come out. And part of me halfway through was like, this really sucks. And then the other part of me was like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, there's, so there's, so there's that, it was that cool. kind of voice, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I appreciate it. And it was so much fun because, you know, part of the thing that, that blew me away is, you know, and my husband said it, your left hand for that entire gig, never stopped playing piano. Like you were just going, going, going. And then you're like, all right, for a lease, you know, all right, Kelly, I'm just a bill. You know, it was just fun. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. That was the other one that you were <laughs> Another song that I hadn't played since high school, actually. But, awesome. uh, but you know, that's, so that's the beauty of, um, and if anybody's uh, listening who has, hasn't been to a piano bar, if you do go to piano bar and I highly encourage that you do, but, but if, sakes, go to the piano bar, <laughs> but it, when I'll say it this way, when you do, um, you know, ha, have an interaction with the entertainer, the entertainer. I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself. So I love having inter interactions with, um, connections with piano bar patrons, with people. And it makes, it makes the night feel like it's um like it's integrated you know i don't feel like this separate person up here playing a song and then there's people out quote unquote out there just listening um i like the interaction so for you to come up and um request those songs that that's something that's really special and if it's something like you said before something that i don't know i can try to pivot um in in the sense of, you know, I could play another song by, by the, by the artist, or if I don't know any songs by that artist, you know, I just try to ask you, is there another song that, you know, that you would like to hear? And just as a quick aside, um, it's very interesting. Most people, when they have a, when they have an idea of what they want to hear, that's what they want to hear. And then it's like, you know, it's like they really, really want to hear it. So that's a challenge for me is to constantly be learning songs and, um, and yeah, that, that's, that's one of the biggest parts about uh, being a piano bar entertainer is to have a really, really large repertoire of all styles of music. Yeah. So if you started on Monday morning at eight o'clock playing every song, you know, when would you finish? <laughs> 
I couldn't, I couldn't begin to say, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> it would be a while. It, it'd be a while. And, um, um, yeah, inevitably I would, I would probably, uh, go off on tangents and, you know, you were saying earlier that the left hand never stopped. Well, that's, that's part, I think that's part of this where, you know, the, the music is always going, uh, or at least I try to keep the music going and, um, and that we call that vamping, you know, like, so, uh, I could just, you know, and talk while we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, I can't hear myself right now playing piano, so I, I hope it's okay because I have to put on my headphones later if we're gonna. It was just awful. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we just have some sort of beat going, you know, some sort of uh, groove, and um, and then we continue through, and I think that 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 helps uh, keep keep it going. But to answer your question about how I got into piano bar entertaining, um, I'll just try to be as succinct as I can. I'm not known for being. Brevity is not my <laughs> strong point, but I'll I'll try to be uh, concise here, which is that I kind of fell into it. I didn't I didn't seek out to be a piano bar entertainer. My background was music directing and um, primarily in New York City after, you know, after um, I went to I went to school for music, but I uh, spent about nine years in in New York City music directing for a dance company. So um so I played a lot of a lot during those nine years. I played a lot of music um, in many different styles because, you know, dance, a lot of dance music that we were doing was um, very diverse in terms of musical styles. And so um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I had a friend, a friend came about a year into my living into Los Angeles. A friend came up to me and he said, um, I'm going to be going on a cruise. Can you cover for me at this piano bar? And I said, I've never done anything like that before, but I'll try. And, uh, I must've been so nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, no, I was, I was terrified. Even, even as a professional, being a professional musician, you know, for many years at that point, I was still terrified because it was a new direction, uh, you know, that I, that I was taking. And I knew that there was so much multitasking that goes on with a piano bar entertainer, you know, like, and, and I kind of like enumerated those earlier, some of the things that piano bar entertainers do, uh, you know, it, it may look like they're just playing a song, but there, there's much more than that. So then, um, yeah, I said, yes, I said, yes. And, uh, at the first gig, there was maybe like, I don't know, three or four people at the bar. <laughs> and so it was low stakes. Um, uh, in, in, in the sense that, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't feel a whole lot of pressure because I knew it was my first time. Um, still a little bit, still a little bit nerve wracking. Um, after that, a piano bar in Hollywood, few months later opened up called tramp stamp grannies and i started playing there and the rest is <laughs> you know how it's how amazing yeah it well you got the whole thing like did you have you had gigs that you're just like uh like how do you learn how to get better like i think you do it when you you have a bad night but that's just me i'm not saying you ever had a bad night you know Oh, I have plenty of bad nights, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of bad nights. Well, I, I don't know how to define a quote unquote bad night. Um, I guess if I think about it for a moment, uh, a bad night for me would be a lack of connection with folks, yeah. with, with patrons, with, with people in the bar um, or whatever venue it happens to be. It doesn't, when we say piano bar, it doesn't necessarily have to be at a bar that serves alcohol. You know, it could be uh, any type of venue that, um, that has, uh, you know, it, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's simply just piano music. Um, it's not always with singing, but a lot of the piano bars that I play at, well, in fact, most of them are, um, are singing pianists. So, you know, the bad night for me would be not one where where the tips are low or something like that. That's not really how I define a bad night. It's uh, it, it it's that kind of lack of connection, being able to connect for whatever reason. And sometimes I feel it's me. Sometimes I feel like it's uh, the people who come in. Maybe they're not prepared for that type of night and that's OK. And it's just like any other job where um, where. The, the pieces don't all fire together and um uh and just in this particular line of work that's it's a very very much 
an, a social interaction. And so if I feeling like I lack that at the end of the night, I'm a little bit bummed because I didn't get to feel like I like I sparked a little bit of joy, perhaps in somebody's somebody's night, somebody's day, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. And I totally get that. And uh, you kind of sparked something, a game that I now play that I didn't play before I saw your show. I have the the jukebox app on my phone. Mm. And what I do now is I'll go into a, a bar for dinner. I will identify someone and I will pick a song for them and I will play it on the jukebox app. And I know I win if I get them like bopping a little, you know, if I get some reaction from them. And yeah. I do pretty well. <laughs> well, I think you have a, I think, and I could tell this right away that you have a, first of all, you, you have a love for music, you know, and, and that's, that's big. That's big. I've had, I've had patrons come in, um, not very often, but that, you know, uh, I say, hey, wait, what do we want to hear? And they're like, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't really listen to all that much music. I've heard that actually several times. And that's, surprises me. And so then it's my job to be able to, you know, try to bring something out that will, will spark a little bit of, um, of joy, but, but yeah, you know, number one, you, you have a clear, distinct love for music. And, um, and I could see that both in your choice, song choices in your, and your enthusiasm. Oh, and also in, um, I guess the enthusiasm, I mean, not just requesting a song, but also you could see it in somebody's face. You could see it in their body too. Right. Well, I was surprised at, I, you know, a lot of the things I, I kind of expect people to, you know, request Sinatra and, you know, but you came out with some stuff that I thought was really exciting because it, you really had to interpret it in a way because like Uptown Funk, you can't just play that on a piano. You got to like do something with it. Cause it's, there's a lot going on in that song, you know, but <laughs> so talk about interpreting covers. Like you're not a jukebox singer. You're not going to come and see you and hear the guy on the, you know, on the recording, which I think is cool, which is what I love because I'm a, you know, I'm a bar singer and I like to do that with my songs too, you know? So. Yeah, I think it's um, I think the challenge is to find a balance. And what I mean is the balance between playing a song in a way that people have heard the song to a certain degree. Um, how do I how do I say this um, more clearly? I think when I play a song um, that everybody has heard before, it's kind of expected that that, you know, when the chorus comes along, everybody's a song like Sweet Caroline, right? That everybody will sing that song, Sweet Caroline. Um, but there's, you know, there's a couple of verses, there's a couple of choruses. Um, the first thing that I would do is keep, um, while keeping the the musical elements of the song intact, usually the harmonies that I play uh, are the harmonies that are found in the song, although I spice them up a little bit. So you want to keep the very basic building blocks of a song in place so that people can recognize the song. And and my experience is that they appreciate that when it's a, you know, kind of a raucous, rowdy crowd. They appreciate that because it gives solid ground, gives some sense of solid ground, some firm ground to stand on with that song that is in the memory. Um, so that's important. Now to balance that with my own interpretation, that's the key. And that's, that's the fun part. And so when I was talking about the harmony, you know, sometimes I, um, you know, sometimes I'll come up with a uh, addition to the harmony or I'll, I'll change the harmony very, very slightly to create um, a, a broader sound or I'll add some um, some licks, you know, on the piano to fill it out, to round it out. Things that you wouldn't hear on the original recording. And uh, that's that's twofold the reason is twofold one because uh i feel like i would go crazy if i tried to interpret the song not interpret the song but to play the song exactly how it's heard on the recording um i wouldn't i feel like i need to have some sense of liberty that i need that i would like to take with it so that i can feel creatively fulfilled you know for the night and um and also you know i i do that i do that so that i can um so that, you know, I'm a one, it's sort of like a one man band up here, 
And yes, at some piano bars, they do ask for rhythm. So I'll have a drum machine like I did in St. Martin. So it was piano, voice and drums. And the challenge to try to create on piano just an essence of other instruments that come into play. I try to see the piano as um, my, my, my style of piano playing as orchestrating or arranging uh, a song just with with the uh, bare essentials with just piano here. So, you know, um, instead of uh, um, let me put this on. Let me see what I could do here. Please. Try to give, <laughs> to try to give an example. Um, uh, if we're doing something that everybody knows, like don't stop believing um, and I'll just do it in just a random key here. So one might hear it this way. which is fine, right? You know, it's that's the basic core uh, progression of the song. But if we want to enliven the experience, and if I'm thinking, I'm going to add little licks here, I'm going to add uh, uh, more rounded harmonies so that it can feel more like there's a full band in the room to the best of my ability. That's like the you Broadway know. version, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so we have the situation where, you know, the first one is fine. And sometimes that it, it works better to have a pared down version. If there's a few people there, if there's, um, if it's a kind of like a, you know, quieter night that works. But a lot of the piano bars that I play at uh, are very upbeat, up tempo, um, uh, kind of bars and they they require I feel like they require that fuller sound where some of these licks you would hear maybe that there would be a guitar lick in there or maybe you would hear um, you know some kind of brass some kind of brass hits and things like that and so I try to add into my playing style uh, kind of an, a fuller orchestration or at least my idea of a fuller orchestration it's good it's good <laughs> Did you ever think when you started playing piano that this was going to be your life? <laughs> I've gone in so many different directions. I feel like, no, I mean, no, I, I didn't, uh, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, I didn't think that I would be traveling the world and, and playing in piano bars. And, um, and I mean, on the same token, I never thought that I would be, uh, you know, music directing a dance company in, in New York City or doing a number of other projects that I've done. I think the musician's life, at least in my experience, my my musician life has been one of um, not one that I planned. Um, and I don't think that that's an experience a lot of people can relate to in terms of in terms of their job. You know, you go to maybe you go to college and you think this is what I'm going to do with my life. And a lot of people do that. But a lot of people uh, find that, you know, find that they kind of move into a direction that's calling out to them for whatever, you know, for whatever reason. And, um, in my case, at the time that I was asked to play that gig, that piano bar gig, um, several years ago, I was, it was also coinciding at a, um, with time in my life where I really wanted to travel. And yeah. these things, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And so I believe that this kind of, um, these kinds of, uh, manifestations or, or prayers, you know, there's a number of words that you can, one could use, um, to describe the experience, but, uh, everything became synchronous and everything kind of came together in a really kind of beautiful way where I was found myself being able to both play piano and to do a lot of traveling. And so, no, I never expected it, but, but, uh, here we are. And, um, at least right now I'm still enjoying it. Oh yeah. I, you can tell, you know, I, I, I wonder, you know, because you do like month long residencies, you know, that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a crazy thing. <laughs> I can't even, <laughs> I can't even, <laughs> yeah. but you get to spend a month in, in St. Martin, you get to spend a week in Texas in July, which sounds 
joyful. I've been I've been to Alabama in July. I'm not going back unless I have to. <laughs> you know, I'll go back every other month, but not. <laughs> I did have to chuckle a little bit when you said, you know, the month in um the in hottest Texas month of the year <laughs> earlier because because uh, the thing is, you know, yes, it, you know, I've been there in the summer before. Um, this part of Texas where it, you know it's it's very humid, it's very hot, it's very humid. But I um, I grew up in the desert, so I'm I'm sort of used to the heat. Um, Humidity, humidity is another thing. <laughs> so humidity that's a whole other is, element. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, humidity is really only good for my guitar, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> great for my guitar. <laughs> but, uh, but, so in these places, you kind of just, you have kind of a circle that you kind of hit. Is it mostly the same places? Because there really aren't that many piano bars per se but i would imagine that you could play any room uh i would like to i would like to hope that i you know could prepare myself to play pretty much any room um although i don't know that i would necessarily seek out to play you know every you know any one given room over another i think um as covid hit uh part of the issue was that, you know, for a long time, there were no live gigs at all. And I had only been a piano bar entertainer for about a year and a half prior to COVID. So I haven't been a piano bar entertainer, you know, relatively speaking all that long. Yeah. And um, so uh, I do have an agent who uh, is able to offer, you know, gigs throughout. And that's how I've taken these gigs in the Caribbean. And, you know, I'm going to Germany in May, you know, assuming that, you know, God forbid that Western Europe isn't, completely consumed at that point. We're just going to um, cross our fingers about that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, and, and I, I, during that time during COVID, you know, I, there was not, and we're still in COVID, but I, I mean, primarily during the first year, uh, first year and a half, there weren't a lot of gigs. So, um, yeah. again, the, you know, there's, it, it required a little bit of, um, patience and it required a little bit of uh, flexibility in terms of where I wanted to play and and partly how I dealt with that was by doing online performances. So a lot of you know a lot a lot of my colleagues um, did the same thing and some of them are continuing to do it even as we're uh, ostensibly moving out of COVID. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, how is that? Because when you play an online gig, you kind of miss the the back and forth it's different you know you hit it on the head that's it i mean different. that's why it's it hasn't been my it's not my forte it's not, and it's not my uh, preferred preferred method of playing and performing because you're absolutely right there's uh, what it goes back to what i said at the very beginning which is for me it's all about connection and i'm doing my best to connect um in with the folks that I know who are watching. And sometimes that includes based on the different types of piano bar gigs that I have done online uh, with, you know, chatting. Um, so we'll, we'll be chatting uh, in whatever venue it is. So Facebook right. live or, um, I, you know, a number of other platforms. Um, and so we're connecting in that sense, but it really, it really misses the mark on the um the face-to-face -face human interaction and that there's no substitute for that i mean maybe this makes me sound old saying this because you know nope. i <laughs> does not <laughs> i <laughs> but but i feel like you know for for thousands and thousands of years before the internet you know this is how humans have come to connect with each other in face-to-face -face interactions and now um, and I'm, I'm not at all putting down the value of, of the internet or the platforms that way. In fact, I do, like I said before, I do no, perform I, on those platforms, but and that you're, kept you're people right. alive for that year, you know, so it was exactly, great. but it, it is missing the, the, um, the, the humanistic element of, uh, that I think can only be captured by looking somebody in the eye face to face in person. And being in the room and hearing the noise. And yeah, I tell you what, during the pandemic, I, I tried to 
take in as many online concerts as I could. Mostly I just wanted to send people a little money, you know, <laughs> which was nice. And I hope it worked. We appreciate you. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate folks like you. More people. Because should... That was important. It was hard. I'm not, I'm not even sugarcoating it. It was hard. Well, okay. It's hard enough. Music is a profession. It's such, I don't want to call it a crapshoot, but it's, there's so much luck involved. Like you really got to put in the skill. You got to know your instrument. You got to know the songs. You got to know how to communicate, but there's so much luck involved because they're just so much right place, right time. You know, do you feel like you were lucky? I feel like I've been very, very fortunate in my career. Um, and part of that is because, uh, I've got the opportunity to do so many different types of uh, projects, in, you know, in throughout the course the, the course of my career. You know, that's a large part of it has been musical theater. Um, but again, like I was mentioning before, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to work with dance companies and with choruses, uh, choirs, and uh, to do kind of more solo performing. In fact, I was you know I was teaching for a while, so. Um, I think the biggest thing is you're right. There is a, I, I think that there is a large element of right place, right time, um, kind of luck element to it. Uh, and I think there's also a big element of, you know, are you, are you passionate enough for this? Like, is this something, are you willing to, to say, okay, this may not be, um, and, and earlier in my career and still to this day, I think it's important to be, to be, um, to have some humility in, in what you do as a musician, you know? And, and so if something isn't going to be the best paying gig, for example, but you really believe in the cause or, or like doing a benefit, playing a benefit for free or for, you know, a low fee, like sometimes sure. if you really believe as a musician in or the power of what music can do, then it's in my view, it's imperative that you do those gigs that you take those gigs um even if they're not going to be the best paying gigs so i think there's i really do believe in karma too <laughs> and so you know um it, it, so it, there is an element of luck for sure but there's also the element of how much passion you put into the work that you do did you ever get those gigs where people are like there's so much exposure for you and i'm like i do not look 18 i know a lot of things but I definitely know I do not look 18. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe about 15, 20 years ago, yeah, there 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 was that when when I first moved to New York, there there were a couple of um couple of opportunities, I should say, that that were poised that uh that way. And um and you know, you just <laughs> you 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 sometimes take them and, and I probably took a few of them, but you know, um but thankfully, you know, I didn't have to I'd have to interact with that type of thing a lot because that's when somebody says when somebody says that there's so much exposure opportunity. I don't know that they actually really know how much exposure opportunity there is. Um, Did they just it, hear that somewhere? <laughs> it's well, it's a thing. That I, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a thing to say to creative people so that <laughs> so that they'll take the gig at you know at a much re a lower reduced rate than what they're necessarily worth. And I really do for all for all this talk about maybe about say you know be passionate about the work that you do, and um, it, it is important I think for musicians. Um, then that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate that you supported musicians online during the pandemic is for a musician to feel like, like their work is valued and valued at, um, at a level. And we're, you know, we're talking financially now, you know, and that's an important thing to talk about. And I think it's not talked, that's not discussed enough because it, it, there's, there's this kind of taboo about talking about a musician's pay or a musician's fee. Um, and I think that if we talked about it a little more openly, you know, it's like, it's like for any, any trade that somebody has, uh, that they've worked their entire lives for. So I see my colleagues who have, you know, spent years and years and years, uh, practicing and, you know, all the money that went into piano lessons, all the money that went into singing lessons, all the money, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that people spend on music school. So when, 
Um, and instruments, because we're and instruments obsessed, and all of right? These things. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, I have a, an opinion about this. I'm passionate about 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 being able to support no, musicians agree. the way yeah. that, and I appreciate that you do too. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much, like when you think about somebody like like Billy Joel, who kind of gives he gives such a voice to thoughts that you've had but you didn't identify. You know, like there's so many things that good writers and good musicians. And and when you hear a, a composition that kind of just moves you, you know, elevates you, gives you ideas and inspires you into doing things. There's so much in music that does that. And it's, you know, they just, you know, y'all deserve to be paid. <laughs> We like you, Kelly. Super well. <laughs> we, we, super yeah. well. <laughs> it's nice so, to have advocates. <laughs> I, oh, it's, you know. And you're a musician, I, so you get it. You're you're a musician, and so you understand, you know. Well, it takes a long time. And, you know, I think about the kind of musician I am. I'm a very lazy musician. I kind of know what I know, and I learn as I go, and, you know, and and... And I don't put the time into it that I really could, but I'm, you know, I'm doing things. They said, somebody told me once in life that you can do two and a half things well, and you've sort of got to pick your thing and music might be my half. Cause I try to do, you know, I got to make a living and, you know, I have to do things. So I don't know, I but this, I love it. <laughs> I heard this term multi-potentialite. I think the term was, but, oh. um, but yeah, I, it's kind of like a highfalutin term for, for uh, Renaissance, a Renaissance person, <laughs> which is also sort of like, highfalutin. but in any case that, you, you know, people like you who are creatives, who are able to, you know, who are, who are, um, fortunate enough to be able to, and, uh, interested enough to be able to do a lot of different types of art, you know, in different mediums, it's sometimes very difficult to, to place all focus on just one, you know, we probably, you and I probably have very similar personality types in that way where uh, like, I'll, we want to put our hand in a little bit of everything here because we have a lot of interests. Right. Maybe. And it's fun. And we just yeah. flit. I'm a flitter, you know, so <laughs> there's so many things I do. And then, and then I move on and, and there's my husband, Dave playing the banjo, you know, that's kind of what he does. <laughs> but, um, so what else are you interested in? And what do you do when you're not touring the world playing well, the Casablanca uh, piano bar, the red <laughs> piano. And... Well, I am interested. Uh, I have a deep love for travel. And like I said before, and that's, you know, that's, it takes a big part of my life. Um, fit, fitness, you know, for many years, I've been um, very interested in physical fitness. Uh, uh, I spent a large part of the pandemic uh, riding my bike and I had never, I hadn't ridden a bike in so many, so many years, but um, my stepfather is a, uh, is a quite, I call him a quite accomplished. Uh, I don't know if you can even use that word accomplished, but he, he's an avid bike uh, a cyclist and he, you know, has done many, um, double centuries and centuries, you know, riding 200 miles in a day, a hundred miles Murrible. in a day. Yeah. yeah. And, and so he got me interested in, uh, during the pandemic in, um, in riding a bike. And so I was, um, one of the things I did during the pandemic was, uh, train for, uh, the Palm Springs century ride, which, um, the year that I did it, uh, was not, not this year, but last year's event, um, was kind of quote unquote virtual. In other words, you, there was you know, there, there was no gathering that year you just did it. You did the course, but you did it by yourself or you did it with a few friends. And so, um, that was the first time that I've ever ridden a hundred miles in a day. Um, and so, you after. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was, that was fun. And, um, like I said, traveling, you know, during COVID I traveled, um, so I traveled 28,000 miles in my car throughout the United States. And, uh, because there was no, you know, there was no work. So I was like, I am going to spend as much time as I can outdoors. I'm a huge nature lover. I'm a big fan of the national parks during, uh, during the pandemic, I visited 33 national parks and, um, and yeah, I visited 40, 40 some States. So, um, yeah, prior to the, prior to the pandemic, my, I had, 
resolve to take a year off from playing and to just travel the world for a year. And I was supposed to take off in April of 2020. <laughs> and so, um, it so was that meant was, to be. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> so I just, again, I'm going to use this word pivoted, uh, I pivoted instead of doing international travel, I did uh, domestic travel. And so, yeah, being outdoors, um, love, I love nature. So that's a, that's a big hobby of mine. And, um, and I love, you know, I love movies. I love, um, um, what else? I feel like, oh, I almost feel like I'm on a, like, a, I know, like, I know, like, I like I know. <laughs> long walk for a good time. Call Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, uh, no, I mean, I appreciate that. Cause that's, uh, it, my whole life isn't just about playing piano. And, um, sometimes I wish Kelly that like, I, I was, it was just about that because then I feel like my proficiency would be to uh, to a greater degree but at the same time it's at the it would be at the expense i think of being a more trying to be a more rounded person and i think you you understand that because i know that you like i was saying before you have you have many interests and you are creative in many ways i flit i flit <laughs> well that <I> don't flit <laughs> During the pandemic, I kind of reconnected. Like I picked up a paintbrush. I had so much fun painting and it was just fun because I, I worked through, I mean, I was really lucky and blessed that, that, you know, we were okay. We were kind of, we just did what we had to do and, you know, our jobs didn't end and really thankful for that. So, but we did have a lot of time, you know, and I learned that I, I don't know. I was going to guess. Do you consider yourself an introvert? It's um, funny that you say that because I, I recently, recent as in like two, three weeks ago, took the, was it the Myers-Briggs? Yeah. Oh, what, do you, what are you? If you're the same thing as me, I'm going to laugh so hard. <laughs> okay. I, I can't remember if it's INFP or INFJ. Okay. I'm an INTP. It's funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, uh, my, but the, on the scale, you know, where it's, um, introvert and extrovert, it was almost, almost exactly in the middle. Interesting. Yeah. See, I always think that like, I think a lot of performers are introverts and I think that they just, because I call it like when you walk out on stage and all of a sudden you're able to do what you do, like, you just become, I call it her for me and him for, yeah. you know, I, I've just become her, you know, and, and my husband is, is a shy guy, but when he's on stage, he is like Ed McMahon and like he's like the whole thing, like he just does it. And he's so funny, you know, and, but I think that, you know, it's so interesting. I just think it's interesting. And part of the creative process is like, I think it's getting out of our bodies, you know, and doing these things. And I don't know, there's no connection. There's no reason that that is a creative rule, but I just think it's something that we own. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, yeah, you're spot on. I think that, I think that most agree that most, um, a large number of musicians are and creative people in general are introverts or at least tend toward being introverted. Um, I think it's important in some aspect to go inward, to find, uh, the creativity to really kind of, um, nurture the creativity. Um, and I think that's also at the same time, it's also important to allow yourself to be, uh, extroverted enough where you can allow others in and, yeah. um, then that helps too. And that helps with the process, but you're, you're right. You know, I, I get up on stage and I feel like I'm able to pretty much do anything like, you know, it feels so, sort of, sort of superhero like, um, and, you know, and stepping, stepping off the stage at the end of the night after trying to give 120%, you know, I kind of just want to go home and sleep <laughs> and just like, you know, it, it, and so it definitely and so, takes it out of you. Doesn't oh, it, it? Does, for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. And for somebody who tends towards being introverted anyway, um, it's a challenge sometimes, you know, there'll be a lot of patrons who want to have a conversation afterwards. And, and, and I don't get me wrong. Like I love having those conversations, but there's, I feel like there's um, a limit and a boundary that I need to set on myself because um, you know, I, I, I 
to, to get enough sleep to be able to recharge the battery so that I feel like I can give that much every single night. That's important for me. And yeah, so for sure. it's not, it's not, um, it, it's not like trying to, uh, that's not that I'm not interested in having those connections after a performance or even like during the daytime, but I have to, I have to feel like I need to limit them to what I can do in terms of being able to give the same kind of energy, the up, the upbeat energy night after night after night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting. So I need to ask you, because I think I asked you in St. Martin, if you did writing and you did your own music, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so when I lived in New York, I did a fair amount of writing for the dance company that I worked for. So the mostly instrumental pieces, uh, based on, uh, the dance, uh, the core, you know, the choreography. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. And it was, and it was great. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good, it was also a good learning opportunity as far as, you know, and this podcast is about the backstory. Well, I feel like a lot of the way that my style of playing not only is influenced by my musical theater background, which you so keenly noted in my, in my don't stop believing rendition there. So good. Um, <laughs> but, um, and yeah, no, that's, that, that's a, that's a keen observation. I, but I also think that the um, improvisation, which is really the background that I come from, not not as one would think of it in terms of jazz improvisation, but um, more improvisation on um, modern like modern pop styles and yeah. um, pop rock and uh, that kind of music so that. So that, you know, when I was playing for these dance classes in New York City, um, a large part of it would require me to just create a groove, create a beat, and then um, kind of improvise over that to what the dancers, you know, what the what the choreographer wanted and what the <laughs> dance kind of inspired in the moment. And so nine years of doing that kind of... Um, I have really so many questions. Teacher. It was a really good teacher. <laughs> and so so I really think that informed my style of playing as far as when it came to piano bar entertaining and playing songs. And so it was out of the improvisations that my compositions would come about. And so, um, you know, during the course of the year, you know, I would I would try different try different things uh, on the piano and see like what was really working with the choreography. And of course, in consultation with the choreographer choreographer uh as far as what kind of like the, the the feeling the mood that they wanted that is so much power over a dancer who had to respond to what you were playing did you ever mess with them while they were <laughs> i didn't really i didn't change up like the time signature or anything like that which would have yeah, really like, like i can imagine like if something happened purpose. that you're like that they're looking a little saucy you give them a little dunk, 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 you know? <laughs> Musicians are known for, <laughs> for, for doing that once in a while. We have to keep our sanity somehow, or at least right. keep some levity in it. It's so much fun though. But I think that, you know, I think that relationship between a dancer and a, and a, and a musician is, is probably unstudied. I don't know, you know, but I think there's so much trust and so much interest in there that it's, just... I have, I love dancers. I mean, I've, I've, I have the utmost respect for, for dancers. Dancers are some of the most dedicated, um, and, and just, you know, really kind of studied, uh, creatives that I've ever worked with. And, yeah, and I've worked with it. a lot of creatives yeah. and, and I really have a special connection with dancers. I knew a ballet dancer and I was always so jealous about how much she could eat at one sitting because, you know, like she just burned so many calories, you know, girl. <laughs> and she's like stick thin and, you know, I'm totally jealous of her metabolism and she's here eating this like plate of sushi. And I'm just like, you go girl, <laughs> do it for me. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's those, um, so yeah, no, I mean, those, 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 another, oh, well, this is the long winded answer to the, the compositions. Most of my compositions have, have been born out of an improvisation and, um, and I've written other things too. You know, I, I, I've written a song cycle based on, um, uh, based on the poetry, um, the collected works of Shel Silverstein, uh, song, no. uh, more, more like a musical style. So, um, song cycle based on those poems. I've, um, will that be a show someday? Do you think if the estate agrees to it, <laughs> listen, estate, you know, 
paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, if you're out there, Shel Silverstein's estate, you know, all it's going to do is I, sell I put a my lot heart of and soul into, sell so many books. <laughs> into a song cycle for you. <laughs> but, um, it, it, you know, that would be nice. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was more about the, um, I think the learning process for me, as much as, as much as the songs that I've written, I'm very proud of. Um, it was more about the learning process of, of writing, writing a song to the lyrics. And I, and it's something that I've done for a lot, a large part of my career and kind of like one-off songs here and there, you know, I've, I've written a number of, of pop songs and, um, and other styles as well, musical theater, uh, songs as well. But, but, um, yeah, no, the primary, the core of my compositions, um, the body of my compositions is through has come through improvisation over and that could have been over the like i said with with the classes that i was playing for it could have been built upon week after week after week you know come up with a come up with a uh, progression that i liked and then a harmonic progression that i liked on the piano and then come up with a melody over that or just kind of like more uh, mood soundscape type of thing with just block chords. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's born out of improvisation. And the last thing I want to would say on that is that, you know, during the pandemic and I was mentioning that I've, that I was doing some online performances, um, I found meditation to be a really important aspect of my life <laughs> during, during COVID. I mean, I really, I needed to, and it, it had been introduced to me prior to that, but I really, you know, kind of sunk my teeth into it during, um, during COVID. And in doing so, um, I came across, uh, an app called insight insight timer. And, um, and it's a platform that's, you know, used by many, many people, millions of people around the world. And one of their, um, one of the aspects of the platform is live performances. So uh, what I did was I created this live stream called Piano Insight. And I would ask, engage with community members um, during the live stream about um, what they were feeling that day, something that was inspiring to them in that moment, in that day. And I would have them kind of like shout it out, offer it up as a suggestion. And then I would take that suggestion and I would improvise a song based on that suggestion, my interpretation of their suggestion. And so that's theology. Yeah. There you go. You brought it full circle, I Kelly. Back. I am so I win today. <laughs> well, you want to play us something? Sure. And why don't we do well, since we we're talking about that, why don't we do something like that? Um what's inspiring to you today? What's Who or a place, a thing, a quote? It could be anything. You know what? I feel like we've had such a good talk. So like that connection, like I'm feeling good about our conversation. And I always suspected that, you know, when I first met you, I'm like, you know, you know when you, this is going to sound stalkery and it is not, but I kept thinking, oh, he and I are, are we, we're, we're simpatico. We could be friends, you know? It, it, Absolutely. It sounds stalkery. I'm sorry. Didn't mean it does that. not, <laughs> but like we'll just celebrate connection with your with your improvisation today, and okay, you've heard well, it first here on the Creative Backstory. All right, Kelly, this is called <laughs> celebrating connection. So exciting.
thunderous applause. That was so great. And it was just off the top of your head. Thanks. So you. will there be will there be a Matt recording anytime in your future? <laughs> well, um there's lots of recordings uh you know that that are available online um through excuse me, through um Insight Timer. If you go to insighttimer.com slash music meditation, insighttimer.com slash music meditation. Oh, music a mission. Great. <laughs> music meditation. Yes. Yes. So we're going to, um, I mean, there's many recordings on that site of the improvisations, the compositions that I've done, similar to one that I just did right now. Um, and perhaps one day a proper album. Awesome. Let's, let's work on that. <laughs> so I like to end, this has been a fast hour, my friend. Um, <laughs> it really has. I feel like we could talk for a while more, but I want to end with, um, I like to talk about uh, the creatives toolkit, the tools that, that kind of help you do what you do. And I've heard a couple of things in our conversation today. I think one of them straight up was bravery. Um, and I was wondering if you had a couple of those in your arsenal that you have thought about over the year and used over the years and through your career. Did I tell you about this before? Cause I meant to. <laughs> <laughs> Could you elaborate just a little? The creative toolkit, I feel like are, are the things that we believe or, or the thing, the things that we use to help us do our art. So whether it's our philosophy or, um, some of my podcast guests have talked about, you know, I never approach a canvas, a blank canvas. I always have an idea of what's going on it. And some people have said, learn to take criticism. Other of my guests have said, uh, you know, go inspire yourself, whatever that means, you know, get out in the woods. I've heard people say, you know, so I've had a bunch of different, uh, angles, and if you need a second, I'll just edit that second out so it'll feel like you just thought of these so fast. <laughs> I don't. It's I, my fault. I, I, no, I, th I appreciate the uh, um, elaboration. I, I don't need a second because the well, as you were mentioning those things, the first thing that the first thing that came to my mind is uh, to be playful. I need to be playful, um, and I treat the piano, I treat the keyboard, which is um, my canvas, as sort of like a sandbox, you know, like, and it, it may sound, I don't know, it may sound a little weird to kind of bring it back to being this kind of nascent, um, just a, a young kid, but really where did all that, where did the inspiration initially come from, from any artist? I think these things start out in our childhood and, um, that kind of sense of wonder and, um, for me, keeping it playful, is really important. I think uh, I approach I approach my style of playing on piano as like I'm just in my sandbox and I'm kind of like, you know, put it building the sandcastle, but instead of, you know, instead of buckets and sand, I have 88 keys here and um and then a number of other tools at my disposal, you know, I I'm also a singer, so um, I, one of my biggest challenges is to get out of my head in terms of when I'm singing, not so much as when I'm playing, but when I'm singing, um, because for me, it's a much, it's, it's even more personal because this is, this is in, an instrument that is part of my body, um, yeah. physical being. And so the challenge there is to not make it go in, not to not make it about me so much as is to be, to make it about, the connection. I'll go back with that. You know, I would say be playful and, um, and to try to make a connection and to be honest in that connection. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you hear that all the time as, um, a, a growing musician from a very young age, just be honest with whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to, um, to convey the message that you're trying to send the feeling, just be honest with it. If it's, you know, a happy, joyful piece, uh, that you're creating in the moment. Um, like, you know, when you said, when you said create, um, uh, a celebrating connection, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to try to be in the moment and be playful with it, be honest in the way that my fingers move and, um, 
and how I'm interpreting it in the moment. So I don't know if that answered the question, but yeah, being but going into it with a sense of of playfulness and honesty. Yeah, yeah. All right, I've got one more question just to encourage the uh, the young kid in my life who is trying her hardest to quit the piano right now. I'm telling her she can't do it. I'm like, don't do it. What do you? What do you go? What do you got for her? <laughs> You're not gonna like what I have to say. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, no, no. Just tell me, tell me the truth. <laughs> I'll tell them I'm about to, <laughs> um, you know, well, first of course I would, I, I would, you know, I don't know her and I would, I would be interested to know why, why she is interested in, in, in giving up playing, you know, in quitting playing. Um, my take is that she doesn't, the music that is in her lesson books is not connecting with her. So I found that uh, a couple of things, one that, um, being forced or being strongly, strongly, you know, pushed in a way is never a way that, a that, um, a child is going to really find a love for that particular, um, medium. If it's a creative medium, like, you know, playing piano or uh, playing another instrument. So that can never be, um, it can never be forced. It can be highly encouraged in certain ways. Um, you know, I don't know if you have the kind of relationship where you can feel like you can create music with her. Um, but if if you, you know, it, I would. It's hard for me to answer this question because Ooh, I was never idea. forced. I was never. Yeah. I was never forced to play, and it, it always came from a place of this is something I really, really want to do. But I can tell you from you know, from having students over the years that, you know, are, are being, um, at, you know, forced by their parents to play, to practice, to play, it brings the, it sucks the joy right out, out of it. But if you're able to, or if somebody in her life is able to connect with her, um, as far as maybe she'll play something and somebody will want to sing along with her or would want to play on guitar, you know, maybe it, they can create a connection that way. And that might be more inspiring as far as the, you know, the mundane part of practicing piano scales and stuff like that. And it is mundane and nobody wants to do it. But right. if, if there can be a connection that could be made with another individual to create it as more of a bonding experience instead of just a solo experience, that might be encouraging to her. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I will pass that on to her and she will scowl at me a little bit, but <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Just what we wanted. <laughs> Matt Febrand, this has been delightful. Thank you Likewise. so much for doing this. I can't, you know, it's good. And I will watch your schedule. So someday when you're out East by us, I will, you know, I'll get one of those free pianos and I'll tune it and I'll put it in the middle of my yard. And then everybody it. can come. And when it. you leave, I will plant flowers in it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's really, really a pleasure. This has been great. Do you want to play us a little bit out and we'll just fade you out? Sure. All right. Thanks, man. I'm such a fan. So find more about Matt at mattplayspiano.com and follow him around. He's worth the freight to St. Martin to go see at the Red Piano Bar. Thanks, everybody. And we will be back next time with another super inspiring conversation on the Creative Backstory. The Creative Backstory is a collaboration between producer Alan Fleming, associate producer Shay Zukowski, and me, Kelly Planer. Our theme song was written and performed by Dave Coyne. Just to let you know, our podcast wouldn't be remotely possible without the support of JuxtaHub, Emmaus, Pennsylvania's Arts and Innovation Center, where people from all walks of life gather, create, and grow. 
The views expressed by our team and our guests are not necessarily those of JuxtaHub and may or may not reflect their values. That being said, if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com.